Welcome to Someone Else's Movie, the podcast where an actor, writer, director, or nebulous industry figure gives a little love to a movie they didn't make. I'm Norm Wilner, senior film writer for Now Magazine, and I survived the film festival. My guest this week is actor, writer, and producer Kristen Wallace, who does all three of those things in the new comedy Moments of Clarity, which will be in theaters and on demand in Canada this Friday, September 23rd. It opened in the U.S. and became available on VOD platforms there just last week. You may also have seen her in the films Leather Accidents and Treeline or on the web series Team Epic. Kristen picked Thelma and Louise, Ridley Scott's 1991 road movie starring Susan Sarandon and Gina Davis as two friends whose impromptu road trip turns into a literal getaway when a violent incident puts them on the run from a state police investigator played by Harvey Keitel. That sounds like the pitch for a thriller, but Callie Corey didn't write it that way. She turned it into a tale of sudden liberation and unexpected joy, even if there's a price to be paid for that. And yes, this is one of those episodes where you really ought to have seen the film before you listen. This is someone else's movie. Well, I'll say that it was extremely hard to choose. <laughs> I don't have a library like this. But, I get that a lot. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to um, choose a movie that has been on like my mind for the past couple years and has been something that I feel has... Um, has been missing in film that used to be there yeah. um, and something that is like always of importance to me is how females are portrayed in films and as leading characters and so Thelma and Louise was just a movie that like rocked my world and I was I was so obsessed with like both of those girls and I just I don't I just hadn't really seen anything like it and hadn't seen females be portrayed in that way and so it was a huge inspiration for me just moving forward, just eventually going into acting and being in in that world, but then deciding to actually, you know, write and produce my own movie. Right. It was it was something that like kept on coming up and and like there's tons of things about the film that I that I love, but like immediately it was always seeing those women like that. Like it was just it was so like I don't know, invigorating for me because they were just so ballsy and and um, you know, kind of like going completely off the grain to to how normally women are with their husbands and relationships and how they check in or see what they can do or whatever. I just loved how like bad they were. And then um and then yeah, like I always love like movies. Like I have like a love-hate relationship with movies where as soon as something happens that then you can see oh no if you just you know when they yeah 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 one phone call would fix everything exactly yeah. and so it's like I, I i love those types of movies but i'm always like no you'll like <laughs> it's okay just stop talk to them explain it it'll be fine mm. you know so and it is weird because this is the kind of movie that pretty quickly establishes that that won't work yeah even if they did even if there was an explanation. And there is. There's yeah. a really simple explanation. Exactly. But no one will listen, mm -hmm. which is kind of infuriating and kind of fascinating at the same time. Well, and I think that's the thing that I even kind of keep coming back to today. And I mean, this is kind of maybe like a really heady, dark subject, but it's you what know. What I'm here for. The, like, the sort of, you know, um, uh, 
you know, these sort of like sexual acts and like what, who is to blame or, or how it sort of escalates and like that sort of stuff is, I think is still really prevalent right now. Yeah, very much so. You know, and, um, and yeah, like this, this notion of consent and all that sort of stuff. And so it is like this, it does go to like a, a deeper level of, of, if they had in the movie talked to somebody, I don't know, would they? Would it be turned around a little bit more on them? Why were they at the bar by themselves? Where are their husbands? Yeah. Why were they dancing with them? You know, like yeah. so. I I find that all. I think it's. Uh, that's why I think it's so cool that that films like that will will present those sort of topics that are still really hot to- hot topics and and things that people are still saying like we need to kind of like readdress and talk about but they do it in in like a in a fun adventurous way where they are then empowered by it they mm-hmm. say you know no we're going to leave we're going to you know decide our own destiny and yeah it and is... decide this is what happened <laughs> exactly and it is kind of amazing uh I went back and revisited it, and I'd forgotten how upbeat the tone is. Yeah, right up until, and including, and and you know, if you're not, if you haven't, listeners, if you haven't seen Thelma and Louise, go see. Press pause. Go see Thelma and Louise. Then pick this up again because they die uh, <laughs> by their own. Like they basically do choose yeah. to off themselves to end it. Yeah, uh, which is. I mean, I saw it in a theater in '91 with an audience, with a preview audience. I guess it would have been the week before it opened, and. Nice. People were really with it, and then that happened, and people were still kind of with it because it's tr- weirdly triumphant. Yeah, um, and I think it was the Simpsons that had the line, you know, like they're gonna te- they're gonna kill themselves to teach those men a lesson. Yeah, but they're not like that's actually that is what happens, and it kind of works. I mean, it still plays. Yeah, twenty five years later, twenty five years later. I know ninety one. Uh, that's crazy. And none of the yeah, as you say, none of the questions have dated. The yeah. the only thing that's dated is maybe the score and and some of the cinematography choices just because that's always been Ridley Scott's thing like yes. to make it look like a car commercial exactly to be beautiful and stylized and chromey yes but even that still kind of works I mean it doesn't not work it just looks it like a 90s movie exactly it doesn't take you out of it, it exactly it just yeah. looks like that that sort of classic 90s movie yeah. that wrote, which I also really enjoy too yeah. well and, and Sarandon and, and Davis are not stylizing their performances at all which is the other thing that's so fascinating about it the movie is really slick and mm-hmm. gorgeous even when things are exploding and people are being shot but those are real performances those they're not playing action heroes they're playing characters who are alternately frightened and nervous and questioning themselves and terrified and strong and angry and yeah. vengeful yeah but with the like I think that that's what makes the ending possible because they're selling the awareness of the fragility and their and the risk mm-hmm. based on what this what they've done and what they are doing all along, mm-hmm. which is again not something I would necessarily see as empowering, but it also is right. Like yeah. the contradiction is always there in the film. Yeah, and I always love that. Like I always love the 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 things that that will be contradictory and that will then empower you, or the like just the. Um, just dualities in in people in general mm-hmm. you know what i mean and yeah. so even though they do that then they will then the, their reaction and the the way it sort of unfolds and the ebb and flow of their emotions is so natural yeah. you know like yeah. it's not going to be black and white it's not and and i i don't know that still just really holds true to me 
And I love, I just love both of those actresses so much as well. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I've been on Davis's on Team Davis ever since, well, at least The Fly. Yeah, uh, which was only five years before this, which is still kind of stunning to me. I, really? I forget, yeah, eighty six. Huh. I forget how young Davis is and, yeah. and was when she when she made that and this. Yeah, and I think Sarandon maybe only has about ten years on her, but their dynamic is yeah, much bet. much more separated. There's there's a clear you know there's a wisdom in mm-hmm. Sarandon's performance and an innocence in uh, mm-hmm. in Davis's that are in constant conflict. Yeah, uh, but perfectly represent the drama like the dynamic that needs to be represented they just fall right into it yeah well and it's that's another thing that i love about their friendship and but also them individually as women is it is kind of like this interesting weird pair yeah and there is that age difference and so you wonder like how how did that all come about yeah when did they meet when were they when yeah. did they first become friends how did that happen yeah but then it also seems so natural and not like some sort of it's not like some sort of mother daughter situation and it's not they start to you know seem sim- similar in age but but you can also see the the sort of like role model a little bit more or the yeah. you know well and the protectiveness too yeah when when one is endangered the other one just sort of powers up almost yeah in, in, in the frame to to be um to be able to fend off whatever's happening to the point where her own emotions get in the way and she can shoot somebody yeah but they're the idea that you could watch that scene and think, oh, Harlan doesn't have it coming, that seems insane to me. It just goes on and on and on until it builds. And it needs the, the, the gunshot is the release of the scene. Yeah. Uh, and really early on is also Callie Corey and, and Ridley Scott setting stakes and showing us this is going to be, there are consequences. Yeah. That this is about that. Yeah. The pushing back against harassment and assault and all of it. Mm-hmm. And it's... You know, still fresh. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. I, I don't think we've come that far. No, and I and and again, that's why you know I had said that. I think, yeah, yeah. I think there's so many layers and little nuances to it and to that film and and what you could take for today and and what we're still you know struggling with and and even their relationships like with their husbands or and the differences there and the sort of you know certain like holds they have on them or control or like uh, like emotional you know psychological sort of games and stuff like that like it's it's all just you know just still so true to to any relationship or or anything that you know men and women are still kind of dealing with right and yet when we have you know when you have the scenes with gina davis and brad pitt you Mm -hmm. know that's the watching the the sequence with harlan early on in in terms of uh with with uh, timothy carhart and davis that's you know that's a rape scene that's no means no that's all of the above and then with jd we get to understand, oh, there's consent. Like, that's that's the great argument of the film, is that it shows you what actual attraction yeah. looks like. Yeah. And has, you know, like, it has fun with it, it lets the characters enjoy it, but it lets the audience enjoy it. There's there's a, that's, I think that's why people remember it fondly, because it does, it has, for all of its murkiness, there is a, like, a clear moral through line. Yeah. For characters, they understand, and so we can understand exactly what a positive, um, flirtation or dalliance or, or even a sexual experience looks like. Yeah, definitely. 
so so the next question for me is, you know, how old were you when you first saw it? Did you see it theatrically or? No, I didn't see it theatrically. Um, I think I was, I was in, I was in uh, college, university okay. when I saw it. Um, I was like probably like 21. Right. Because a lot of, a lot of movies from that period, guests will come on and say they saw it, you know, like they grew up with it. Ian McIntyre watched Ghostbusters on video endlessly, that kind of thing. Oh my God. This isn't the kind of movie that people stumble upon. Yeah, right? yeah. Like as kids, you don't, unless you were watching it theatrically and had no idea. Yeah. It's the kind of movie that people are, it feels like they were led to or guided to. In, in definitely, definitely. Like I, I, I'm, I'm actually trying to think now. It was somebody recommended it to me. Right. And like somebody older than me. That that's how it came to me. It wasn't I just kind of yeah stumbled upon it or something. Yeah. You know. I mean, Ridley Scott like, completists maybe, but other than that, it's, yeah, yeah, it's the kind of thing that is sought out. Yeah. And it's. So yeah, so you, you were already fully formed when you watched it. Your sense of yourself was. Yeah, and I think I was also. Um, in, sc- in school and university, I, I studied theater, mm-hmm. and my last... That's why I do believe it was my last year, because my last year I did a thesis um, <clears throat> play for my entire year with two other girls. We all acted in it, we all directed, we all produced, mm. and I did wardrobe design, another one did set, another one did lighting and stuff like that, but it was really during that time we were trying to find um, an all-female play and really just looking into to different female characters in any sort of medium. And I think that it was like one of my professors or somebody who was like, Thelma and Louise, this is a kick-ass movie. Like, you need <laughs> to watch that. And just, you know, just for your own yeah, like yeah, repertoire yeah. going forward. Like, even if you don't use anything for it now, it was, it's definitely characters that have like stuck with me. And, yeah. and it's always, I think the thing is I always love when a movie is really dealing with some very, like, deep-rooted um, issues or dark things in our humanity, and yet still you have fun with it, and you kind of go along for the ride, and you, like, maybe laugh a little, or, like, you know? Like, yeah. I think those movies always I respond the most to, because I don't want just something you know fluff that 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 doesn't have a lot of meaning to me but then i know how hard it is for people to be able to digest like those movies if 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 it is so much like coming at you without like you know the little releases you just get in the world too yeah, yeah. like and i think you know i'm always i'm like that person if stuff is like really intense i'll like try to like you know make a joke of it or something sure, to yeah. try to find like some light in like the heavy situation so yeah. that's what i loved about their like relationship and you know yeah i mean it's always there's humor that evolves out of the situation and the characters it's who they are that makes the funny stuff happen because it's the lines it's the delivery yeah it's like that just the looks that Sarandon is constantly throwing yeah the, like over the camera's shoulder um, yeah which i the last time i saw it it was really striking just how complex each performance is in that they are both in the movie together but they're also playing characters who are in their own worlds Mm -hmm. in a weird way because Mm -hmm. the assault brings up a lot of history clearly for Sarandon and Davis is traumatized but shaking it off differently and there are different stages and it's sort of like watching scales Mm -hmm. come into balance over the course of the the whole film yeah and it's it's really rare apparently only four times that it's ever happened that both actors and both leads 
have been nominated for the same award at the Oscars. They were both up for best best actors. There was no supporting role. Oh, and that's never uh, four times in total. I think suddenly last summer it happened, and oh, two other times, which of course I can't remember because we're just coming out of TIFF and my brain is Swiss cheese. Um, <laughs> but it is, and they lost to Jodie Foster in the end for yeah. Silence of the Lambs, which is another um, genre picture that's also remarkably feminist and and, yeah. and self-aware. Yeah at a point in time where that wasn't happening. Yeah, so it was like definitely. this little mm-hmm. this little burst of thought and 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 intelligence in in the idea of that a movie that is a road movie or a procedural can also have a point of view mm-hmm. and more importantly have a have a a feminist point of view at a point in time where people weren't expecting it. Yeah. So I mean you were saying like message movies can be overwhelming and exhausting but it's I've find it remarkable that in that year that happened twice yeah um and what's also weird is that foster was originally going to play one of the roles i'm still not sure which uh i'm i did the research and i was oh, shocked really? yeah jodie foster and michelle pfeiffer were original really uh, Thelma and louise cast members i don't know well i mean the story behind it is amazing i had no idea that i mean i knew that it had sat for a while uh, Callie Curry wrote it in 79, Ridley Scott bought it in 1980, right after Alien, which makes no mm. sense in my brain. Although, of course, Alien, with Weaver kind of taking over the picture, yeah. does the same sort of thing, yeah. really subtly, and never calling attention to itself. It's just that the final girl is actually the strongest character in this particular horror film. Yeah. Uh, so he bought it in 1980, MGM bought it for development in 1981, and he wasn't going to direct it. A bunch of different people were attached to it. John Carpenter was attached at one mm. point. And over a decade, ultimately, it just came, it fell to Scott to make the movie. Wow. He decided decade. to direct it himself. But over that decade, dozens of people were involved and considered for all the roles, mm-hmm. but Pfeiffer and Foster were going to shoot it. Hmm. Uh, and then they both, pre production took too long and they dropped out. Foster, I think, actually went to make Silence of the Lambs. Um, wow. I don't know what happened to Pfeiffer that right around then. It might have been Frankie and Johnny or something, but. Uh, hmm. But yeah, they were going to play the leads, and it doesn't—it doesn't work, right? I was like I say that I can't even imagine that. Yeah, I kind of can. I can sort of see Foster playing Thelma. Oh, she, uh, she. But, uh, but you I, think Foster would play Thelma? Well, because this was only a couple of years after the accused. She was still really young. Right. I can't, like now, Foster could. And totally Pfeiffer play is older than Foster. Pfeiffer, maybe by a couple of years, but not by much. I mean, well, because it must it's hard be. though, because I would just see Pfeiffer as Thelma as well, right? Yeah, yeah. So I don't really see either, anyway. yeah, of them really as Louise. Yeah, I don't. I don't see it, and yeah. it's, I've been trying to wrap my head around it ever since I found this out. That's it's like, crazy. I, I don't never knew that. Yeah, and it would totally. I mean, just their age range would change everything. Their yeah. dynamic would be different. Their their uh, vulnerability would be different. Yeah, would have, like Foster would have to play Louise because she's harder. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I'd love to talk to them about it someday. I That's crazy. Yeah. And that, that was, it's 12 years, really. Yeah. Yeah. 79 yeah. to 91. It just, it was being worked on or developed or something. Wow. And, uh, and it feels like, obviously it was tweaked and reworked, but it feels very much of the moment. Although I guess everything before cell phones feels like it could have taken place anywhere between 1970 and 1995, right? At this point, it's all the same. <laughs> yeah. But it it's... 
the setting is ingenious because it sort of removes it from the world. There's no, like now it would, there would be, there's going to be a found footage movie about it happening through the newscasts and everything else. You wouldn't actually have the story yeah. uh, of this thing happening, but it's, it's all sort of under the radar. It's happening in a small town. It's removed from the world. There is no media circus yeah. until the very end when there's sort of some coverage. Yeah, exactly. But it's, it feels perfectly of its moment for 1991. If that mm-hmm. doesn't sound con- not condescending, but, but, marginalizing because it doesn't it feels it doesn't feel like a relic it just feels like an older movie yeah but its heart is fresh like everything about it is still totally relevant exactly well and i and i think that's really hard to sustain in any movie you know like there's not there movies will always date themselves in different ways you know but if like if the like part of like the story and the characters can can be like He's timeless. That's that's really cool. Yeah, those are the films that I I will. Yeah, I'll just always kind of. I would just always come back to like the characters. Like I'm always obsessed with specific characters and right. films and stuff. So, so when you first saw it, were you, um, hmm, when you were on? I guess it's silly to ask if you were on side with either one of them. They're both completely justified and good characters. But how did it play for you? Like how? What was your initial experience of it? Did you watch it on video? Did you watch it in the theater? Um, no, I watched I watched it on video. Um, I remember being I was I was very um, I would got really upset. I was very like riled by it and yeah. like really heated by it. I I I was like I felt so connected to the girls and like really. I don't know, empowered by them, wanted to be their friends, but then there were so many things about the men in their life and the story and stuff that, that yeah, just, like, infuriated me, which I always know that that's a great thing for... If a, if a movie riles, you know, ruffles my feathers, then I know that that they did a great job and that there's more to it and that's something that I'll continue to think about or come back to. And so it was one of those movies, you know, that... And... and I think I had had a love for Gina Davis since um, A League of Their Own, which I saw when I was sure. younger. I right, was that's like, one that will come up. Right? Yeah. That's a kind of film that people discover. And that was one that like really, really affected me as well. I actually I thought about that instantly, as well as Thelma and Louise. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I was really, really upset with that movie like my mom was really worried about me i was i would continually cry like i was very upset that the oh. sister didn't see each other for so long and, and again like i just loved gina davis and she's just has so much like sparkle to her you know and and i remember my mom saying to me she's like i'm not gonna let you watch these movies anymore if you're gonna get so upset and i was like no, 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 no. i'm fine i'm fine she's like you know it's not real i was like well it's real somewhere it's somewhere <laughs> That's amazing. It's like, okay, so so People yeah, bond. I, you know, I get that. I and that's the thing. I think I had already. And then I was in love with her. I just loved her. And so then when I was just older, and Thelma and Louise came out, I just felt like a lot more mature. And I felt like I could, I could, I saw it from like a different standpoint. Right. And I had boyfriends and stuff. And so I don't know. I I felt more like a young woman that saw it I, I was happy that I saw it like a little bit later on right like it plays to adults do yeah sure it doesn't play to, I can't imagine it would play to kids at all because it would be so nightmarish to experience yeah without 
like an understanding of any kind of the give and take of any kind of relationship. I think you really need to have like a couple relationships before you'd see that film to like, yeah, to really be under, to understand what they're going for. I'm trying to think. The complexities. I would have been 22, 21 or 22 when I saw it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, I'm trying, I've been trying to formulate this since we started talking because it fascinates me. The idea that that movie playing to 22 year old men now boys would be like people would be on twitter immediately screaming hashtags about how misogynist or misandrist it is which yeah. is a made-up thing uh in the first place yeah uh, i keep coming back to amy poehler in parks and recreation you know men's rights is nothing and you're all idiots um <laughs> to use show. you know to use her power in that <laughs> yeah in that, way, in that final season that's just so great yeah um but the idea now that that you could see it and legitimately come away thinking that it, you know, start screaming, not all men afterwards. I I saw it and I had no, like, okay, the trucker at the end is a cartoon. Mm -hmm. That's the only thing I remember being kind of annoyed by because it takes an easy way out. Yeah. uh, In that Ridley Scott just clearly wanted to blow something up. Yeah. And so he invents this buffoon to come there and and jump up and down like a, like a cave troll. Yeah. Uh, But I also get it because that's, by that point, that's how they're seeing him. Mm -hmm. So I accept it. Mm -hmm. But that requires a leap and understanding how the film is telling its story that Mm -hmm. these people don't understand. Yeah. Um, And I'm not trying to lead you into making a comment about this specifically, but I just thought this movie would be so savage now before even before its release mm-hmm. just because and in 1991 you could put a film out with people knowing very little about it it had a really evocative poster mm-hmm. and the trailer pitched it as a comedy mm-hmm. which is <laughs> radically not what the movie is but that's great like it's a bait and switch that turns in this film which is still really bouncy and bright and beautiful mm-hmm. into and it becomes a tragedy right before your eyes but the point is that you're not supposed to notice mm-hmm. and now there would be so much information out. The script would leak. People would be, you know, the 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 rape scene and assault would and the and the and the shooting of Harlan would be out as a BuzzFeed clip or something just to show people that this is the kind of movie. Yeah, and it would be so prejudged and dismissed. It like Ghostbusters gets savage. This would have been worse. Yeah, and I watched it and thought this like this. Is it just that a movie that's saying something? is now unacceptable because this film would never get made now. Yeah. Or if it did, it would have to be some mumblecore picture that no studio would produce. It'd be $25,000 and shot on an iPhone and Definitely. you can get away with it that way. Definitely. But then I started thinking, like, were studios really that experimental and risk-takey in 1991? How did this like? How did how this did happen? How did it? I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree with you, everything you're saying. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, even... I think that's that's why it's the topic of feminism all the time now and mm. equal rights and I think it, it's in in a certain way it, it's making things worse like it, 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 the saturation you mean the yeah constant. yeah and 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 maybe and like the, the constant spotlight on that is making people more sensitive than they need to be or um, yeah. you know like I think so maybe. Yeah, I think I think it really would get butchered if that was to come out right now or even try to get made right now. Yeah. Do they have to hate men? You know, like just the idea that people would 
they'd note it to death. It would be, yeah. it would be taken apart for, does, well, what, you know, can it be more ambiguous? Can this be read to be softer? Can they not do that? Can they not do this? Yeah. Do they have to drive off the cliff? Yeah. What if Harvey Keitel reaches them? Yeah. Because you know, he's so nice. <laughs> so nice. And it's you know, it's a great role for him too. It's a really it's a it's a quietly sympathetic performance in that he's he's impotent. He can't actually save them because that's not where this is going. Yeah. But I what like on the most recent watch, it's that that character totally undercuts any criticism. It's very clear that these specific people are the problem, not a gender. Exactly. Um, it's not, and and I don't know how they got away with that or that message that it isn't about a gender. Yeah. And that's not what the the story is about. They're not trying to pin pigeonhole like you know. Yeah. But people who want to see things in a movie, I, you know, every time. Yeah. Uh, if you're looking for something, you're probably going to find it. It's the yeah. beauty of confirmation bias. You know, like oh, that shot didn't match the other shot. Clearly, this is a conspiracy to uh, undermine all of our realities. It's the red pill, blue pill conversation for the Matrix. But then you introduce something <laughs> like uh, per, uh, the persecution of the male characters in this film, which the trucker, yes, but mm-hmm. the other and, and generally the people that get hurt in this movie, the, the men who get hurt in this movie, are kind of assholes. Yeah. And kind of have it coming. And maybe the point of the film is that if you don't behave like this, you're probably not going to get shot in a parking lot. Like things, things like that. Yeah. As opposed to, well, it's saying men are evil. Well, no, this guy is a douchebag. That's Yeah. Different. It wasn't like a... It, it, I, I never saw it as like this sort of like universal, all of the guys in this film are evil and bad. I felt that like uh, it really was a... A, a very realistic representation of of how m- both females and males can act mm-hmm. in you know good and bad ways or sure. or out of character or you know yeah push it too far or something like and 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 if you do that then there's going to be consequences i think that's what i yeah. liked that um and also, if men are going around acting like that, then maybe some women are going to stop them. Then not every woman is going to turn a blind eye or, you know, yeah, like I yeah. think, and I think, I think that is, I think that could be empowering for both sexes. Yeah. Well, I think it's the, the film is really conscious of the concept of escalation mm-hmm. that, you know, it, it goes a step too far when Harlan insults Louise. It also goes a step too far when Louise shoots Harlan. There's, yeah. you know, that's the, yeah, that's the point where we understand that, yeah, that's wrong. It's, it was wrong for him. It's wronger for him to kill him. Exactly. For her to kill him. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, if you're only looking for offense, that's what you'll see. But yeah. The movie is so much more nuanced and so much more intelligent about that stuff. Yeah. Uh, which also makes it surprising, um, Weirdly enough, for Ridley Scott to have made that in 1991, because Black Rain is not the smartest movie, and 1492 Conquest of Paradise is not the best movie. He's really only ever as good as his script, but this was a great script. Well, and that's why I even found it funny when I I was thinking of of Thelma and Louise and and how much it affected me, because Norm... Normally, I guess it, then it goes. The director is is hand in hand with yeah, yeah. with that, and I'm like Ridley Scott has not been like a director of mine. That's like I do have a lot of other films that have impacted me in that sure, way. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I don't know. I don't yeah. know what that says, but <laughs> well, so was there? Is there somebody around that time who was speaking to you, a filmmaker that you were? 
Around that time? Yeah. Well, you know, at that point in your development as an artist. Um, mm, I mean, maybe uh, Darren Aronofsky. Okay. Um, and then, I mean, I started to get into David O. Russell and stuff like that. But, um, but yeah, I, 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 I was never... I didn't even... I think it took me a second to like even remember that it was like Ridley Scott. Yeah. It was jarring because I was there. I went in pretty cynical Mm -hmm. uh, based on his run because as much as I love Alien, Mm -hmm. not a huge fan of even Blade Runner. Uh, And then you get Legend and you get someone to watch over me and you get Black Rain and you're like, well, they're all slick commercial products. They're all packaged really well, but they're, you know, oh, that's right. He's a commercial. He started in commercials. This is his kind of thing. Right. And then he makes this and it has feelings and thoughts and opinions and a position and a perspective. Very, very different characters for especially that time. But even now, I think, too. Like, that's why I think... um, yeah. It's, it's shocking once talking about it and thinking, how did that get made back then? Yeah. And, not, and, and by him and at that point, yeah. you know, like it's the script I think would have been strong with anybody, but yeah. he somehow, by putting that gloss on it, he's the right guy for it, yeah. which is really strange. Yeah. And obviously waiting out for those two leading ladies mm-hmm. yeah. and having those, I mean... Because now hearing that story about I was so Pfeiffer stunned. and Foster, yeah. that's so it crazy. still doesn't make any sense to me. And Foster just, she made The Accused two, three years earlier, I guess. It was 88 that she won the Oscar for that. And, and yeah, why would she even, I mean, I guess I see why she'd be attracted to it. Because it's a safe kind of escalation and, and, and a sidestep for her career-wise. Mm-hmm. But it also makes virtually no sense yeah. to cast her. Um, yeah, it's one of those things that's just going to eat away at me until I can finally get to talk to them. I know, exactly. Well, once you talk to them, let me know. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll post an addendum on the uh, on the website. But it is, it's one of the films that, again, I underestimated almost everything about it right up until it started. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember even that title sequence with, with the color slowly coming in, I thought, ooh, that's a little... I'm not going to like this movie. Yeah. It's a little Ridley Scotty. Yeah. And then it comes to life. Yeah. And it actually does work. And the Ridley Scotty works for it. Yeah, though. yeah, yeah. For this road trip, for this, you know, yeah, sort of like cool car girls and badass girls. Like it, that sort of commercial feel. Yeah, it's a really form, works. Yeah, it's a form you understand, I guess. And the script is subverting it as it's happening. Yeah. And the, and the actors are being too real for a Ridley Scott movie. Although yeah. he's always been good with actors. I mean, yeah. the, 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 act, the cast and the acting in Alien is just amazing. Yeah. And again, Harrison Ford is doing exactly what he's asked to do in Blade Runner, which is playing like a film noir character. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, the, the reality that Davis and Sarandon bring to the roles and, you know, and Pitt doing a movie star thing is also kind of an unreality, but it also also explains how he gets away with what he gets away with, how mm-hmm. the character does this. Because mm-hmm. clearly this isn't the first time mm-hmm. he's done this to somebody, but mm-hmm. he's really good at it. Yeah. He's really polished. Yeah. And apparently that role was, I mean, the story goes in dozens, like every, basically every male actor of a certain age was considered or was supposedly considered for the role. Tom Cruise apparently comes up in a lot of conversations. Alec Baldwin, which in 1991 makes sense. Right. Um, he was really like he was still kind of doing the hunky idiot roles and stuff right. like to the mob or, yeah, or yeah, yeah. Miami Blues where he was just perfect uh, and then Christian Slater was cast and that's when Pitt replaced him 
Really? And again, Christian Slater makes no sense. Yeah. I don't see that. Two years after Heather's, I don't see him being no. uh, oh, an, yeah, an no. antic seducer. Also, he just, Two years after Heather, definitely not. Yeah, and he just tips it the wrong way anyway. He would he, he can't help but be campy. Well, yeah, well, and he he doesn't have like the su- the sweet naivete that like yeah Pitt had, and like the kind of like I don't know. He 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 just seems so wide eyed and yeah. Like he the Slater would have. He's got he's got like a he's got more of like the sly sort of you you would think something was more up with that right guy. exactly he would tip it yeah you would, you would you could tell you'd see it coming yeah and with Pitt because and also because nobody knew who the hell he was yeah um it's perfect like it's just a Clooney apparently was also considered mm. and he probably could have gotten away with it yeah but Brad Pitt like baby Brad Pitt is so perfect in those yeah. scenes to the point where you know all you need is Davis's reaction the morning after to yeah. sell him to the world. Like yeah. this is like it's one of those you see an actor become a star, mm. a movie star, mm-hmm. and with with Pitt, it's right there. Yeah, like it's it's not even him; it's in Davis. It's her playing against him that makes it work. Yeah, uh, and the lighting, like just the phenomenal morning, you know, morning glow lighting off, bouncing off the abs. <laughs> the fact that there's a, a fill light in there somewhere for a muscle. Because again, Ridley Scott, he's going to present it. He'll package it. Yeah, well, and like he needed to make him look like the Adonis that he should be. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's again, it's kind of amazing. Like a handheld camera wouldn't have done it. You need that kind of insane level of production. Yeah. To sell that moment, or when you walk out of a movie and you're following this person, yeah, no matter what, it's like, oh, I want to see what that person. Yeah, you you become a fan from yeah. that moment on. Yeah, that was that was a league of their own with Thelma or with, uh, with Davis. Davis, yeah, yeah. not Laurie Petty. Hmm? Oh, both of them? Was it Lori Petty as well, or were you fix- oh you my fixated God. on Davis? Or? I was fixated on Davis, but all of them. Okay. I mean, I love the entire cast, and then actually Biddy Schramm is actually in our movie. Right, and yes. And I like, almost lost my mind, because I was just like, oh my God, there's no crying in baseball. <laughs> like, Just had to know all of the stories, and it was so cool. Did, cause you, it was, Did you just follow her around and ask question after question? Well, she was actually so sweet and such a... like. I don't know. She was she was just very complimentary to me of being like, "Good for you. you this is amazing that you put this together, and right. I love the script, and I'm you know kind of here to serve your story." And I was just like completely fangirl, and I was like, "Tell me everything about League of Their Own." So yeah. we sat at lunch, and yeah, and she just told me everything, and she said that she had no idea what she was doing. She hadn't, hadn't really acted that much before at all, and. And they were just thrown into it. And she said, I was like, did you know that it was going to be what it became? And she said they had no idea. It was, And it was, you know, the, she was like, the shooting was kind of like a shit show. Like, it was it was madness what they had to get done in the time. And yeah, that's no, a really complex, and it's a period picture and oh, everything yeah. else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I love these stories. Um, uh, Taika Watiti said that when he was working on Hunt for the Wilder People with Sam Neill... All he wanted to do was ask Neil questions about Event Horizon, and mm. Neil doesn't remember it, which is his great heartbreak. It's like, I'm following him around, I'm asking about this, and he's like, I don't know. I, I don't know. He, he just... I don't think he liked it. Oh, uh, so he's kind of like... It, so he's just he trying just, to put it behind him. Right. But it's, it's kind of great, when that, when, and it's even better when they actually do know stuff. Yeah, yeah, And are willing to share it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm trying to think if there's anything else that we should cover... 
we didn't talk about the Oscars, but there's really nothing to it. I, I mean, it won the it won the consolation prize that we can't give you more prizes award. It won best original screenplay, yeah, uh, and a Golden Globe as well, which is weird. That rarely lined up at the time, apparently. But yeah, um, yeah, it, it was up for picture and director, uh, cinematography, I think score and both leads. Yeah, and lost everything to Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, uh, which won adapted screenplay, but Thelma Louise got original, and. That's sort of, it's the Tarantino Award. It's the one he always wins when his films are up for everything. He won for Pulp Fiction. He won for Django. Yeah. Um, That's going to be the way it works, I think. The film that Hollywood really wants to get behind, but there's something more expensive or more more, uh, polished on the other side that they're going to jump on anyway. Yeah. But it felt like, like the Oscar for Curry feels like the right vindication. Like if (laughs) one thing had to win, then the screenplay makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's really what's going to stand the test of time and these characters, you know? I mean, obviously, I still think the actresses and everyone involved really obviously knocked it out of the park, and it would have been different with other people. Sure. But yeah, it starts with the screenplay, and that's that's something that, yeah, Yeah. it's nice that they got that consolation prize. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so then the, we get to the final question of the podcast, which is also always the same, which is in what way or or has the film infected you? Have you borrowed or stolen or used? Or, mm. Are there pieces of it in your work? Do you do you use it that way? Um, I, I, I mean, I was definitely inspired by um, these sort of contrasting characters um, and... Uh, but also both uh, empowered characters that might not seem that way to the like first look, mm-hmm. um, and that sort of unlikely pair, like uh, that friendship between two girls, and then I mean, what I probably borrowed in my movie is just the whole road trip, this fun adventure aspect, and 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 just how that you know. Um, it can just be your life in general, you know, of how how you view your life and the and the small little adventures you could find yourself on. So doesn't necessarily need to end with you driving <laughs> off a cliff and killing somebody. I mean, ideally, it shouldn't. Yeah, ideally, <laughs> the perfect road trip shouldn't end that. Way. So I so so I more took took that inspiration and and tried to view it from a more. Um, you know, from like a, a smaller, more simplistic day to day, like small details in in relationships and and um, and and like the the little things that you do in life, kind of with people. Okay. Yeah. So a different sort of moral arc. Yeah. Applied to the characters. Yeah. A, a less violent one. Maybe or less. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe less violent. I, I think the thing with Thelma and Louise, what I loved, is that they kind of show they show the dark side of humanity and then the extremes that that things could get to if if you're in those sort of circumstances. And I kind of wanted to show show how even if you found yourself in those sort of circumstances how you could maybe flip it on its head and not have those things happen right. if you had a, a, um, a really positive or um, optimistic outlook on life and how that could um, warp your world. Okay. Well, so. yeah, because as you said, I mean, in, in Thumb and Louise, the, the trajectory is established because of everyone else. 
mm-hmm. because what's justifiable isn't defensible, mm-hmm. I guess, outside mm-hmm. of the moment. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, a movie that gives a characters room to breathe and step back and think about stuff it has to be exactly. more optimistic by definition. Exactly. Just, yeah. 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 And 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 I think I just I. Thelma and Louise, they do, you know, they really mold and change their world, but it go it it goes in a in a in a lot of a, a darker, um, more extreme path where mm-hmm. where I I don't know I kind of wanted to view it from like the the more like positive aspect or of how how you could kind of like have. You you could change that and 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 sort of like have it not go that direction and and make it like I don't know what I'm trying to say like retract back and like and change things for for um, that will just like better you right sort of thing. so journey of self discovery just a journey that ends you know with with the car being parked <laughs> yeah yeah or you getting you getting to that destination that you always wanted to get to right. but you're now a different person right which is yeah i mean that's the best kind of road trip movie really yeah and the one that actually lets you lets the audience follow the development and the changing and again that gets somewhere instead of ending in the canyons yeah yeah it's such a downer ending and it doesn't play like one it's so I weird know. i'm still grappling with that i know the other thing you know, like famously you know they shot apparently they shot an ending with a model of the car landing so it would be okay oh really to, to imply that they could survive yeah and it's i'm trying to remember if it was mentioned on a commentary track or if it was just uh an interview somewhere i should really have researched this more deeply but it just wasn't time uh, mm. the idea that an audience would want that, that anyone would have accepted it. I mean, there's, there is really no way, other way the movie can end. Mm-hmm. And I think it's one of those things where they just had to do it to show the studio that it wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. But it's, oh, it sounds so annoying. Just like, imagine being there and shooting it that day and like, well, I guess there's a way out. Let's shoot that too. Yeah. That sort of coverage. Um, it, it's, uh, it's another Brad Pitt movie, actually, of course. It's Seven, uh, uh. where famously... You know, New Line was was taking that position. It's like, does there have to be a box? Does there have to be a head in a box? Does this ending have to be the ending? Yeah. And uh, supposedly, the story goes that David Fincher made his presentation, like made his pitch after they greenlit the movie, but they were arguing over pieces of it and said, listen, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, people are going to say, oh, that movie with the head in the box was on cable last night. And if there's no head in the box, that's not that movie. Right. And he's absolutely right. Like, sometimes you have to follow a story to that ending. Yeah. Not everyone. And not, yeah. you know, like, not every movie needs it. Yeah. And God knows I'm happy with happy endings more yeah. often than not. But this movie, that car can't land. Yeah. Like, it has to go where it goes. Yeah, no. And, and, and that made sense for exactly, like, the way, the way their path was going. And I don't think it would have made sense in any other way. Yeah. Um... I think yeah, with because then you see like I always saw with Thelma and Louise, it was going in that direction, right, and yeah. it keeps going, and you're like it's going to end that way, and it's going to end bad. But somehow you 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 feel you feel all right with it, and then I think that's just again through the characters and how they feel. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, with when being inspired and and loving these road trip films, just because I I. 
I love this sort of like forward momentum and and I just I I I just think road trips are so fun and you discover so much and there's fun characters and stuff. I think with ours I always wanted to because though road trip films often you'll know what's going to happen next and then it'll be kind of yeah, there's sort of predictable beat. Yeah, there's certain formulaic things that you're like, oh, you know, and then they would stop there and they would sing karaoke and win that money so that they can buy gas and keep right, going yeah, and stuff. Yeah. So The problem is immediately followed by the solution. Exactly. So with ours, I try to kind of lead people down a certain path and then it would go a different direction. So they would think, I know, oh, I know this. Right. I know this road trip film and I can go along with these characters and then it kind of goes a different way. And That's cool. Subversion is a great idea. Like yeah. That? We should have more of those. Yeah. So tried to, yeah, do that uh, a bunch of times and we, especially with some of the male characters that come in and maybe something that you would think that you might have happened, might have happened in a movie like Thelma and Louise mm-hmm. will then kind of go a different direction. Oh, nice. In ours. Okay. And so before we, we wrap, uh, trying to figure out how to phrase how to frame this but how would you introduce like if you were telling someone if you were directing someone to Thelma Louise now how would you sell it and what would you tell them somebody you know like a 20 year old or a 22 year old student somebody around the age you were when you first saw it um because hmm. the world is different but the movie by necessity is the same yeah I mean I think I would always focus on um you're, I mean, you, you're, you're following these two women who are, are both, um, kind of lost and, and disempowered in, in their lives and their relationships and how through some unlikely events that could, could be seen as, as, um, kind of like life ending or, um, actually um empowers them and 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 has them i don't become stronger bigger better women even you know and 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 they kind of do that for themselves but then also together they they build each other up yeah you know yeah i mean you can't really say you can't. I guess you can say you know you should watch this. It's really fun, but it's also so much more than that. Yeah, I think it's really about the evolution of these women. Like, so if I was I was talking to any like young girl, if I and they hadn't seen it, like I I would really say it's it's just such um, you really deal with like the complexities of um, of being a woman and being in a relationship, standing up for yourself or not standing up for yourself and, and, and how there's consequences with that and how you do it perhaps and how you, um, support one another. Right. And then to make them feel better afterwards, they can watch a league of their own again. Yeah, exactly. Everything's going to be fine. Exactly. Although they don't see each other for so long. It's so sad. It's like 20 years. No, but it's, it's, it's so a happy good. ending. I know it is. Such and then a those happy those ending. nice old ladies get dubbed. Yeah. <laughs> My thanks to Kristen Wallace, whose new movie Moments of Clarity is in theaters and on VOD in the US right now. Check your favorite platform and coming to Canada both theatrically and on demand this Friday, September 23rd. Thanks also to Ali Lemaire. She knows what she did. 
You can follow Kristen on Twitter at Kristen E. Wallace, K-R-I-S-T-I-N-E Wallace, all one word. And you can find Thelma and Louise on DVD and Blu-ray from MGM Home Entertainment. There's a 20th anniversary special edition that's pretty great. It's also available for sale and rental on iTunes. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Norm Wilner and elsewhere on the internet at NowToronto.com. You can also find this podcast on Twitter at Semcast, S-E-M-Cast, and on the web at SomeoneElsesMovie.com. If you want to leave a review on iTunes, that would be very kind of you. This week's call sign is just keep going. Thanks for listening.